It is week eight of Sunday, bloody Sunday, here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I am Matt Barry on the Matt Barry Show. Sunday, bloody Sunday, a subsidiary of the college football dominance we are building here on the YouTube channel. Uh, cheers to everyone's team who got a win um, today. Pepperoncinis, corner cons, cornichons, mini pickles, whatever the hell. Hot sauce. Uh, it's needed today. Uh, it is needed for me because you see my helmet right there and right there in the Pat Tillman. I was up late, college football final, left the network at around 2.40 in the morning because I thought my Sun Devils could, after a phenomenal defensive performance, could take down Washington, number five Washington, on a Saturday that was all about close finishes with some of the best teams in the country. And we're getting to the point now in the season where if you're Oklahoma, number five, if you're Texas, top whatever, if you're Washington, you are playing with fire when you look at your opponent, your ranking, and what's at stake. And I think that's what makes this season and this sport so great is that on paper, I think, I think Arizona State was 28 and a half point underdog, something, something to that effect. There's no reason on the road ASU, who's got like 20 something players injured, should hang with Michael Penix Jr. in Washington. None, zero, zilch. Michael Penix came into that game with three interceptions on the season. He threw two in the first half and fumbled it against Arizona State. My alma mater, who I love deeply, but they're just, they're rebuilding. You, you shouldn't be close to that. You have Oklahoma, who's coming out of the bye week, should be refreshed, coming off the big win against Texas, playing a, a UCF team that had lost three in a row in conference and hadn't really been that competitive. And it comes down to a two-point conversion. Shouldn't be doing that. And that's what makes the sport beautiful, is that on any given day, when you actually look at the paper, and you're like, well, that should be a beating. That should be a beating. Guys, it comes down to the final play of the game in most cases. And I believe that we are set up for some unbelievable chaos headed towards the first college football rankings on October 31st through the month of November. So if your team survived, cheers. If your team didn't survive, cheers. I want to start with the marquee game in the Big Ten between Ohio State and Penn State. So how do I put this? Both teams came in allowing less than 10 points a game. So, look, we knew coming in the defenses were going to be great. But all offseason, all I heard was that this is James Franklin's best defense, which I, I still believe that it could be. Marvin Harrison had a career day. I think 11 catch, 162 yards. Had a career day, but he was the only guy they had. That's all I heard about Penn State. Best defense in James Franklin era. Great. And they finally have a quarterback that can get it done in Drew Aller. I am not going to put all of it on Drew Aller. I think Ohio State's defense is a little bit better overall than people historically might think. I think they proved that yesterday, and I think they made Drew Aller look very, very, very pedestrian and very, very not the best quarterback James Franklin's had in his tenure, or they finally have a highly rated quarterback to lead them. It was awful. They were one of 16 on third down. And Ohio State's defense did what it had to do, and Kyle McCord quietly throws for over 280 yards. 
Marvin Harrison quietly has over 160 yards, a career high, scored a definitive touchdown late. They've been banged up, and they still get to win at home. They're now 11-1 and in their last 12 games against Penn State. They've won seven in a row. And James Franklin continues to struggle on the road in AP-ranked games. And now, in this Big Ten round robin, two weeks, Penn State hosts Michigan. I was having a conversation with Galloway and Mullen yesterday in studio, and they're like, well, that could be a tough game for Michigan at Penn, Penn State. No, it won't. It won't. I didn't see one thing out of Penn State that would lead me to believe that they're going to take care of business against Michigan. And honestly, I haven't seen one thing from Michigan that doesn't lead me to believe that they're not the best team in the country. I don't care if they haven't played anyone. When they do play someone, they put their foot on the throat and they don't let up. It was 28-0 last night against Michigan State in a rivalry game at half. 28-0. Michigan is the only team in the country, only team in the country that looks dominant from kick till final. They're not messing around with anybody. They have a team that goes out on the field with Blake Corm, J.J. McCarthy, Roman Wilson, a solid offensive line, an aggressive defense, who, by the way, lets up six points a game through eight games. And I know there's people coming out that haven't played anybody. I don't care. The teams that they've played, they beat the hell out of start to finish. In this Jim Harbaugh witch hunt, because they snubbed their nose up at them about the last violation, everybody steals signs. This has nothing to do with stealing signs. It has everything to do with the NCAA wanting to find a way to get at Jim Harbaugh. And in a week where this investigation was going down and they dismissed a staffer who allegedly was a part of this, do you think they're bothered? They went out there and absolutely smoked them, Michigan State. And if I were, if I had a vote in the poll, I'd rank Michigan number one, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Now, Georgia, yeah, they've won 24 in a row. They've, they've handled every opponent in front of them for the past couple of years. I get it. But if this is a right here, right now, Brock Bowers is hurt. How does that forecast for the rest of the season? Georgia has to come out of the bye week trying to figure out how to replace their best player. And so just for that alone, Michigan won. Just for that alone, oh, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd put Ohio State above them. Maybe I would because they've been tested twice, Penn State, Notre Dame. You know what? What the hell? Michigan won, Ohio State two, be good for TV towards the end of the season. Georgia three, Florida State four. Florida State handled their business against a Duke team that had been pesky. They lost last minute to Notre Dame a few weeks ago, but Duke with Riley Leonard came out in that game against Florida State, looked good. Riley got banged up, and then Florida State's done what they have for their entire season. They kind of chokehold you. They keep you close. It was a close game through about two and a half quarters, and Florida State comes out there. Jordan Travis, Lawrence Toa Feely, and the rest of this team come out, and they play really, really good ball at the end of the game to get the win. And I think that's the bigger picture coming into this Sunday Bloody Sunday is that there are going to be – inexcusable close games that you just look at and you're like, why did that happen? Why did Texas need final minutes of the game to get by Houston 31 24? Well, because it appears that's college football. Now there's enough parody. There's enough of the portal guys. There's enough of the injuries. There's enough of the coming down after a big win or a bad loss and kind of playing down to your opponent. 
I will say with Texas, you got to watch out for the Quinn Ewers injury. He's got a shoulder injury in his throwing arm. That's something to keep an eye on. But overall, it was just one of those Saturdays where you couldn't put a finger on why it was happening. And there are a number of teams who could have gone down and didn't. The only victim was North Carolina. And that, to me, ranks as one of the biggest stunners, not only that we've had this season, but that we've had in a while. There was no reason. North Carolina just got done thumping Miami the week before. And Mullen said in studios, like, well, maybe they came out, they beat Miami, banged up from a big game against a talented team. They know Virginia's one in five, nary a pulse for the Who's. Cheers to Virginia before I get too far in this rant. Hadn't beaten an AP top 10 team on the road in program history. So why wouldn't you just roll the ball out and, and beat the hell out of them? They didn't. And now you now North Carolina, because of what Coach Elliott and Virginia did going to get their first road against the top 10 team in program history over 29, they come in and get the win and can have completely thrown the ACC into chaos. Because at least to that point, you had an undefeated North Carolina team with a fairly easy schedule to get to the ACC championship against what appeared to be a, a good Florida State team who was undefeated on their way to an ACC championship. Now the ACC's playoff hopes rest on one team, Florida State. And if you're North Carolina, I just don't know how you let that happen at home. They were the one team the one top 10 team that flirted with disaster and got got. And so again, for all the stuff that Tony Elliott, Mike Hollins, who was a part of that tragedy, scored three touchdowns. Cheers to you, sir. For anyone who's, who was a part of that or for anyone who's been through what they've been through as a team, that's a big win for Virginia. And that's kind of an inexcusable loss uh, for North Carolina. A couple of other things I want to get to. I smirk saying this, but if you ever needed an example of how substance overrates sizzle, look at Utah and USC. Utah has a backup quarterback who Kyle Whittingham said after the game's a pig farmer. USC has the defending Heisman Trophy winner. USC has talent all over the field. USC has one of the best portal classes in the country. Yet USC has lost four straight to little old Utah, who comes in there with no stars and just a bunch of football-hungry guys. And now USC, who's touted as the great thing, is done. They're out. Playoff gone. That's it. Two losses. You lose to Notre Dame on the road, and then you physically get pushed around again at home against Utah for your fourth straight loss to the Utes. Can you name one Heisman candidate or one All-American or star on Utah? I mean, Bakke had a great game, five receptions, 149 yards, two touchdowns. He's not a USC star. And all Kyle Whittingham does is just, strap it up against the glitz and glamour that is USC and just beat the hell out of them. And now 
you've got to look at Lincoln Riley and USC, Pac-12 headed to the Big Ten with as much talent as anyone in the country. And you're thinking, well, why can't they get it done? But Utah, again, taking care of USC. Cheers to the Utes, man. Like, I don't know how they do it. Actually, I know how they do it. They're physical and smart. Even though the end of that game, that the clock management left a lot to be desired, credit to the Utes for getting that win against USC, a fourth consecutive win. Is there anything else? Alabama, we can say it's Alabama. They trailed by 13 at halftime. Not, and then they outscored Tennessee 27-0 in the second half and ended up covering, winning 34-20. I mean, it's Alabama. That's what they do. The one team I do want to get into real quick, I'm going to I, I get into my analytics rant again, but I did that last week. I think analytics are the absolute worst. It happened in that game with Tennessee and Alabama. Josh Heupel goes for it in his own territory, fourth and short, when you're still playing good defense. I believe they were up at that time. And from that moment, I think it was 2017 at that time, when they got stopped on that fourth down, from that moment on, Alabama outscored them 17 nothing. Like, where's that in the analytics book? I, I just don't, I don't, I could go, I could do a whole half hour on the stupidity of analytics, but I won't. Last thing I want to get to here on Sunday, Bloody Sunday, Missouri. I'm just telling you, Missouri is going to ruin someone's season. I'm just telling you, they're going to ruin someone's season. Their quarterback, Cook, their receiver, their receivers, their belief, they are going to take someone out. And Missouri now, if you look at their schedule, on November 4th, they go into the bye week, by the way. They get the week off, and then they go at Georgia on November 4th. Now, it's between the hedges which likely plays well for the dogs. But if I had to watch any team in the country, I'm like, they'll play them at the end of the season. Missouri is one that I would not want to mess with. By the way, another great Saturday at Cobb football. We appreciate all your support here on the ESPN college football YouTube channel. In closing my thoughts, Michigan's the best team in the country. Analytics are the worst thing in the country in college football. Going into the final two weeks of October is the greatest sport on the planet. With that, cheers. Have a great Sunday.